0: Today's episode is called Joy in Suffering. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I necessarily like the idea of those two things going together, but this is one of those times that I just say, Okay, God, clearly you have something here. So I'm, I'm going to figure it out and try to understand what you're saying, and I'm going to try to live it. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. Several places in scripture put the concept of joy and suffering in the same category. Now we're going to hit on several of those. So um, I'm not going to say all of those places right now, but let me just ask you right off the bat, how joyful are you when the rug is pulled out from underneath you or when the day goes totally downhill or when you're in a really hard season with a child or with a parent or at work or at church? Or when you're experiencing persecution, or when a tragedy just knocks you down, or when you get that doctor saying, you know, this isn't looking good, the prognosis, the diagnosis that makes you realize that, wow, my life is about to change. For most of us, we would say we're not very joyful at all. I mean, joy is not something that enters into the equation at all. But let's examine biblical reasons to rethink this. So first of all, we need to go to James chapter 1. And James says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Pure joy. (laughs) Whenever you face trials of many kinds, pure joy. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 5. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Okay, so both of these two writers are talking about our character in terms of, listen, this is how we know that suffering is a good thing, because it produces something in us. And James said it produces perseverance. And perseverance is going to make us spiritually mature. And that is worth something. And, and the Apostle Paul says, it's going to produce perseverance. And that in turn is going to, pers- it's going to produce character. And refining our character, listen, rarely, rarely, rarely do we wake up and say, hey, you know what I'm going to work on today? I'm going to work on me. I want to be a better person. That rarely happens, right? Usually, we go about our business doing things our own way until something stops us in our tracks. And how often isn't the thing that stops us in our tracks pain? C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain wrote this, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his microphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt pain as God's metaphor is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepentant rebellion, but it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. Look at the um, parable that Jesus told of the prodigal son. Too often, we are just like that prodigal son. We are going to go our own way. It doesn't matter what anybody tells us. It doesn't matter if all the people around us say, hey, that's silly. Why are you doing that? But we're going our own way. And the prodigal son, he went and did his thing and he partied up. And when the money ran out, he still just went out and got a job. Until he realized that the pigs had it better off than he did. And it was in his pain and in his hunger, that he woke up to the fact that something had to change. Suffering can jolt a dulled conscience like nothing else. And if it brings us back into communion with God, we have every reason to rejoice in our suffering. So we can rejoice in our suffering because too often we're unwilling to change and we're unwilling to listen to God when he's been trying to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, listen, that's not the best way to do things. We don't want to listen to him until the pain is bad enough that we are forced to listen. And for that, we can rejoice. But also, let's talk about some other reasons that suffering might be good. Hudson Taylor, he was the missionary to the Chinese. He said this, At the timberline, where the storms strike with the most fury, the sturdiest trees are found. Let's face it, suffering produces that character and perseverance in us. But it makes us better leaders, and it makes us more um, willing to lead through the next thing. When we've been through something, the next time we're not quite as as willing to just roll in a ball and hide and be afraid. But we've been through something similar before. So now we know not only how to live through it, but maybe lead through it. Those strong pillars of our church, they've weathered some storms. And maybe they didn't weather the first storms well. Maybe they were like Jeremiah. Jeremiah sort of started whining. He was God had recruited him, and he said, you know, I'm a young man, and I don't I don't know what you want from me. And then it got hard, and so he was sort of whining to God. And God said to Jeremiah in chapter 12, verse 5, If you have raced with men on foot, and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? God is saying, Jeremiah, this is just the prep work. This is just getting you ready for the big things that I have for you to do later on. So don't whine about these little things because things are going to get much, much harder. This is just the precursor. Remember David? When David went to King Saul to make sure that King Saul understood that David was ready to go fight Goliath. And King Saul was looking at David, and he's just this little shepherd boy. And he said, I can't send you out. You don't fit in my armor. You know, who are you? And David said, look, I've already killed a lion and a bear when they came into my sheep pen. I've been through situations before where I had to stand up and be courageous and where I had to fight. This is nothing new to me. And what happened after Goliath, after David went out and defeated Goliath, he had gotten courage from his previous defeats, defeating the bear and defeating the lion. After he killed Goliath, he started going out to war and eventually he was leading the troops into war. Each experience is going to lead to more confidence and more understanding the leaders that have been through really difficult times, they're ready to listen to the wisdom of others, and they're re- ready and willing to give the wisdom that they have found going through something else. Now, there's another reason that suffering um, can make us joyful. Maybe in our suffering, God has you on a mission. Many of you know that I worked for many years as an elderly companion. And so I um, I was always in places, senior living situations, let's put it that way. And my first assignment was in a nursing home. And several of us were Christians who worked with this man that we were taking care of. And our presence in that nursing home absolutely made a difference in the people around us. There were many Christians there who we were able to encourage and we were able to give, um, you know, scripture and tell them to hang on and that glory was coming. And there was one man who, even as he was dying, I was able to go in and pray with him. And I just think that man that was in the nursing home, home who I was taking care of, he didn't realize his assignment at the time. Maybe he did. But his assignment was to bring us there into that nursing home so that we could witness to other people and help them to keep the faith in their journey home. A good friend, a friend of mine recently was going through a situation that was very, very difficult, and many of us were praying for her. And one night, this friend who's a nurse took care of a pastor who spent quite a bit of his night advising her So here she is to take care of him. And it was very clear to all of us that God had sent that pastor into that hospital that particular night in order that he might minister to this other person. Imagine that. God's assignment for right then brought that pastor into the hospital. Now, we don't often think of our situations in that respect. But I'm pretty sure the pastor understood by the end of that night that there was more to him being in the hospital than just having to endure something. Think of what you can be to others in your season of suffering. You know, somebody who has um, done that so very well is Johnny Erickson Tana. I have a great deal of admiration and respect for her. I've listened to her for years. At 19, she was in a diving accident, and she became a quadriplegic. And she has spent her life just encouraging the saints and working through her pain. And she's been a huge vocal supporter, and she supports monetarily many, many people who are paralyzed and tries to get them the equipment they need and speaks up for people in other countries who don't have the rights that handicapped people have here. She has done remarkable work. But she's had to do it through her pain. And she said, sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. My guess is God has no pleasure in bringing us into a season of pain. And yet he knows that his will will be done very well there. In fact, Paul Sheppel said, remember, even in the midst of suffering, God's will is being done. If we continue to be the people that the people of God in our suffering, we can be an incredible blessing to the people around us. We can teach and encourage them to look at more than just physical blessings and to see that God is even in these remarkable situations. There's one more thing that I want to talk about, and it's that we can choose... Yes, we can even choose to be grateful in our suffering. Even when we don't see the refinement taking place, we might not see ourselves changing. We may not see ourselves becoming a better leader, or maybe we're at the end of our life, and so we know you know, there's no more for us to, to, to lead. There's nothing more for us to do. So I don't think that God is actually preparing me for something more. Even when we don't see the mission, we can still choose to be joyful in suffering and be an incredible testimony to other people in the midst of it. Now, I'm going to read something to you from my good friend, Rhoda Woolley, and she talks about this a lot. If you've listened to her podcast, Five to Thrive, if you've read some things that she's written, this will not be new to you. I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs that she's written this says, joy isn't dependent on circumstances. Although the Apostle Paul was in prison, he sang hymns and wrote of joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit and comes from the inside out. It's a product of time spent with God and His Word. For decades, psychologists have studied people who were not doing well socially and emotionally through the science of positive psychology or thriving. The number one attribute of those who thrive is a sense of gratitude we tend to think gratitude is an effect of things going well in our life in reality gratitude is the cause of happiness according to David Rast it is not joy that makes us grateful it is gratitude that makes us joyful as we journey through the various stages and seasons of life some considerably more difficult than others. How do we remain grateful regardless of our circumstances? First, we realize it's a choice. That's powerful to me. (laughs) That is incredible. And, you know, today in my Bible reading, I was in Proverbs 20, and it really said the same thing. It said, ears that hear and eyes that see The Lord has made them both. And as I read just that one verse, I thought, how much don't I take for granted every single day? I can see. I can hear. I can move. I can think. I live in a country where I have freedom. I'm free to worship. I have a family. I have church family that loves me and that pours into me. I have so many blessings that I take for granted every single day. But when I stop and I start to look around, I have good reason to be filled with joy. This is true even in our suffering. If you're in the hospital, do you have a good um, nurse who's taking care of you? Do you have food? Are you in a hospital that is Um, equipped with medication and equipment and has a soft, comfy bed for you to be in. I mean, these are all reasons to give thanks. If you're even in a hospice situation, do you have faith? That was put there by God. God gave us his word. That is incredible. That in and of itself, just knowing that God loved us enough to make sure that we knew about him, that is reason to be joyful in our suffering. Now, these things might not be easy to hear, but they do bring, like I said, understanding. And I think as we as we examine our life as we're going through these trying times, maybe we can see how God is working in these ways to refine us, to teach us how to lead, because he's got a mission for us or maybe just because in our joyful suffering we are going to be able to praise and glorify God and that's going to be an example to all the people around us. I hope that eases the pain a bit. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom the little things are the big things. I can't tell you how blessed I feel to have the opportunity to talk to you each week. Your continued prayers and support are appreciated. And if you're willing, please share, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you so much.